Well, good afternoon, everyone, those in the house and online. Uh, glad to have you here. We've had a you know, wonderful time of worship. Thank you, Brad and team. Uh, we are blessed. Um, I'm emphasizing the word blessed uh, today because we're going to be talking about that for a little bit. But we really are blessed uh, with the favor we have here with people willing to give it their time, their energy, their gifts and talents. So if you appreciate them, I'd appreciate if you just gave them a hand of applause. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys, Brad and John and company. Thank you. And those who are not here today, you know, we think of Isaiah as well, Pastor Isaiah. He's uh, still under the weather. And so uh, we appreciate you, too. And, uh, you know, when you start a church plant, you know, we've always kind of joked about here and there. You never know who's going to be here, what you're going to get, kind of like Forrest Gump, right? Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And so every Sunday afternoon, you just wonder and you wait. And I love this team because we're like, hey, even if there's one, it's okay because there's a mighty audience. There's an audience in heaven, and then there's even an audience online. So welcome, those of you who are joining us online um, today. We're glad you're here. So we're continuing our series, The Touch of God. The touch of God truly changes things. He leads us in transformation. For the last few weeks, I've asked you, have you experienced transformation? Have you looked in the mirror? Have you seen any, you know, changes that you can measure, you can say, you can quantify? And then last week, we were walking through and seeing this change and encouraging one another. And as you look to the person to your left and to your right, Championing them, acknowledging, hey, I do. I see a change in you. I see that God's been doing a work in your life. This afternoon, we want to look at the, the you in touch, and that is unify. The touch of God unifies us. The touch of God unites us. We can see throughout the pages of biblical history as we open up the Bible that God truly, in the midst of what seemed unimaginable, even in the chaos, he was still able to unify his people. And that's something that encourages me when you look outside and you think, are we ever going to be unified again? I have to believe that, yes, it is possible. The Bible says everything is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He wants us to be unified and yet there's two groups of, of being unified. There's those of the family of God who are unified, and then those who are of the household of the prince of the power of the air. And that's Satan the devil. You can't, you can't dress it up any other way. There's two families, two households in a spiritual warfare. But today we want to look at this unification that happens through faith in Jesus Christ. And so in a few moments I'm going to invite us to turn to Psalms chapter 133 or 133, however you like to say it. It's just like when you're driving down the highway, someone says, well, you could take the, the 403 to the 401. Well, you know, you listen, if you talk to a police officer, you're, they'd say, well, you take the, the 401, right? The 407. Anyway, that joke is completely lost on you guys. But anyway, so here we are, Psalm 133 or Psalm 133. We're going to be talking about this unity that God truly can bring, this harmonious Unity, this harmonious unity. And what I want to encourage us with this afternoon is by the end of today that we will realize that we will truly be united when we look, we take stock of the fellowship that we share, the shared belonging, the shared interests that we all have 
through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in Psalm 133, it says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. And you might be, as you're reading this, thinking, what the heck is going on with this oil? I see there's oil and there's a beard, Aaron's beard, and so we're going to address that in a second. But first we want to look at what is unity. I really think it's important that we describe and define what unity really is. Now, I'm not pretending or having illusions that I have this thing figured out. Pouring over scripture is where I prefer to go. You're not going to see me say, well, I was reading a book by so-and-so, and and I, I gather around me a great number of other teachers to make sure they think the same as me. I prefer to go to scripture. Again, I may be off base. And if I'm ever off base, feel free to, you know, come over and say, Pastor Andrew, I think I think a little differently about that. And if you do, let's have a conversation. Let's chat, okay? So what is unity? Well, for fun uh, purposes, the Webster Dictionary does say this. Before we go to Scripture, he says this. The quality or state of not being multiple, but oneness. A quality or state of not being multiple, but oneness. A condition of harmony. There's that word, harmony. Harmony means an accord, a continuity without deviation or change in purpose or action. And I thought that's exactly it. To be united in the Lord is to not deviate or change course of action or purpose. Because we clearly have the purpose laid out for us by Jesus Christ himself. That before he ascended, he said that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And now I'm sending you to go into the world, right? And to make disciples, teaching them everything that I've taught you. Everything that I've taught you. And so this harmony, I thought, well, I want to I expand this a little bit further before we get right into the, the biblical definitions. Harmony, it says this, is a pleasing arrangement of parts, the combination of simultaneous music notes and a chord. And I mean, this makes sense because when the worship team plays, if they're not playing in the same key, it's not harmonious. It's a disaster. I know this because sometimes I create the disharmony when I play the wrong notes when I'm filling in playing bass. Jim, I really appreciate it when you're here because then I don't have to make those mistakes. <laughs> But harmonious is this pleasing arrangement of these chords or these notes that make up a chord. In many respects, you and I, as being part of the family of God, are all parts and instruments within the family of God. We all play our parts within the symphony of God that's a harmony to him. And this great harmony when we're working together to preach the good news, to share and teach all that Jesus has taught us through the word that that is a pleasing melody to God in heaven. There was this song um, of this, that was shared by this pastor when I was attending Master's Commission in Waterloo. All they can remember is the first uh, line of the song that says, I'm making melody in my heart to you, overflowing with praise. I'm making melody in my heart to you. And I remember hearing those words during one of our worship services, and I thought, Wow, what a, what a great line. And then I thought, well, how often do I actually, is my life actually a melody to God? 
Is it a sweet melody? You know, I'm making melody in my heart to you. Or is it something that is causing and sowing disharmony? So some of these things that, you know, I've been thinking about as we go into this next section of this message here today. I'm very thankful that you and I, as being part of the family of God, as being members of this symphony, that our individual stories are being brought together in this wonderful, harmonious biblical story of God's plan of salvation. The fact that you woke up this morning, you were saved. Even if you did something crazy last night, you were saved. And this is something that our world desperately needs to hear. It's a wonderful, pleasing message. But back to our passage, Psalm 133, in verse 1 it says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Now that we know this definition of unity and harmony based on the dictionary, let's go to the Bible and see how it defines unity. And it defines unity as a form of blessing. The Hebrew word for blessing is barak. That means to speak favorably of another. Speaking favorably to the point where you're affecting, you're affecting favorable conditions and situations for the person that you're speaking blessing over. And so a way that we're able to execute harmony is when we're speaking blessing over one another. This is that blessing. This is the harmony that blesses God. It's this symphony to God. But when we're walking around, and I've been in that place too where I'm like, man, I didn't really like that worship team today. Or, or you can even say, you know, I don't really like that speaker I've seen on television. You know, they're, and you can get the picture, right? Sometimes we sow or we seed this disharmony. Now in verse 1, it says here, how pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It's like a fine oil on the head. And it says, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. And you might be wondering, why on earth is it even saying that? Well, just like us, the people of God had a role to play. From the dawn of time, from Adam and Eve in the garden, God gave them an assignment. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Here we have the priests, the Levitical priesthood, where Aaron was like the head of this membership, if you will. And they were to bless the people of Israel. They were to speak favorably over them, to speak and assure them of their forgiveness and the blessing of God in their life. They were to sow this in the lives of the Israelites. And if you read through, and we're not going to do this today, if you read through Exodus chapter 23 or Leviticus 9 or Deuteronomy chapter 16, it talks about this unity that all the people of Israel had when they came to worship God with their sacrifices and their prayers. They came there to worship the one God and to serve him only. And when they came together, this the Bible says in each of these passages that it was a harmonious type of aroma to God when they did as he commanded them. And so they had these feasts and these different things that were happening, and they would also celebrate and recollect how God had delivered them out of Egypt and other situations. And so this coming together, this rejoicing, this celebration would be this harmony you know, as an aroma to God in heaven. 
that they hadn't forgotten their God who had delivered them and had blessed them on more than one occasion. But here we have this, this oil on Aaron's beard speaking of this, this role of the priesthood that the priests were to be a blessing to the people of Israel. And it would be running down. Now let's go to the rest of this aspect of this oil. It says in verse 3, it is like the dew on Mount Hermon. Hermon is a mountain that is about approximately nine to 10,000 feet high. And this mountain would have a great amount of participation. There would be snow-covered tips on this mountain. And the purpose of this precipitation and why it's mentioned in this chapter, I believe, is because during the months from May to October, it would be very dry. The conditions would be in many ways less than favorable in the land. And so because of this dryness, the rivers, the streams would need to be fed from somewhere so there wouldn't be a total drought. And so this mountain, this precipitation from these snow-covered peaks would seep into the rock face of the mountain and feed the rivers and streams below. And so these rivers, you can imagine, would give sustenance to the people of Israel and it'd be a source of blessing for all their agriculture, their farming and such. And so in a similar way, again, this, the psalmist is defining and saying that these priests were to be a blessing to the people of Israel and not a curse. And yet, because of missteps along the way, the priests made it about themselves. They made it about the people paying homage to them instead of them directing the people to God that they would speak to the blessings of God. And so the psalmist is, is putting this in a great and wonderful light now let's look at this oil for a second. Um, I don't know how many of you have gone to a massage and you've, you know, the, there's different scents and this pleasing aroma of these oils, but this oil was unlike anything else. Unlike anything else. We're told in Exodus chapter 30 that this oil was not only special and unique, but it was to be untainted. God gave a very specific formula of how this was to be put together and used. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 30, it says this, anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them to serve me as priests. So here this oil is signifying that they're to serve as priests in the land. It says in verse 31, tell the Israelites, this will be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It must not be used for ordinary anointing on a person's body. And you must not make anything like it using its formula. It is holy, and it must be holy to you. Anyone who blends something like it or puts some of it on unauthorized person must be cut off from his family. And I'd be thinking like, whoa, this seems kind of drastic. This seems kind of crazy. The point is to emphasize that this oil was special and set apart, and so were the priests of Israel. They were to be holy and set apart, directing people to God, to be a blessing to God's people, to help sustain the people to turn to God. And yet the beautiful picture that pushes us uh, forward in, in how Scripture points us to the Christ who would become our high priest. That is, scripture says that he's the anointed one of God and whom there is no other. There's no one like our God who is Jesus Christ. 
And he becomes the high priest, the one in which when we put our faith in him, that we can turn to him and he's able to completely justify all who come to God through him. And so this psalmist is really, in all intents and purposes, is showing us the importance of this role, but really we can see here today that they weren't able to fulfill it. They weren't able to completely walk in those shoes, but Jesus would. He wouldn't falter. He wouldn't fall short, but he would take the mantle upon him, fulfill the call of God on his life, and give his life as a ransom for us so that we could be brought into the family of God and experience that blessing that God spoke over Abraham. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment, but the role of these priests were to bless. It says here in Leviticus 9.22, Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. He came down after sacrificing the sin offering and the burnt offerings and the fellowship offering. Moses and Aaron then entered the tent of the meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. Fire came down from the Lord and consumed their offerings. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell face down. This is something I believe, if we really get the picture of this, that when we come together and we fulfill the roles that God has called us to, when we walk in the shoes that he has set for us, that we'll be a blessing to one another, and God is going to command his blessing because we're working in harmony in the places and callings that he has given us. This is how this passage is speaking to me this afternoon. That we're the people of God. You and I are living when we're united in this accord. We're going to experience the blessing and favor of God in our life. That's why when we say, hey, amen, come together and let's fellowship together. We're sharing in a mutual belonging and shared interests to bless God. And he also blesses us. We don't come here to be blessed. Like when's the last time you've heard a believer truly say in their heart, say, I only go to church so I can be blessed. Like we, we agree that's going to happen. Every Sunday I'm here, I am tremendously blessed and thankful to come here to be with all of you. But ultimately we're here to bless God who's given us so, so much. So much. And look what it says in verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Life forevermore. The beautiful picture that we're being shown here is that we are to enjoy this life. And the best way to enjoy this life is to live in harmony and unity with one another. One another. And so the challenge for us this afternoon is to muster up the courage, especially when it's tough, to speak favorably of one another. This is something like even last year when I lost my job, it just came out of the blue. I didn't expect it at all. I thought things were pretty good and a lot of things were happening. And I had to really check my spirit when I received news that it was no longer you know, my job was no longer going to be there because I thought, well, what gives? Like, I've been, I've, there's a lot of things I've been doing and I've been putting my hand to. But I believe that because I didn't lash out, whether saying this is unfair or, or what have you, but chose to say, okay, God, now what? 
by using it as a launch pad. All I can remember was him, him saying to me in my spirit, this is a launch pad. And so I decided to, decide to step into that, allow that to be a launch pad for what God wanted to do in my life. And surely he just continued to bless and sow favorable conditions for myself and for my family. Some of those favorable conditions have been making new friendships. Friendships with each of you that are here this afternoon. New and wonderful friendships. This is the blessing of God to experience this life and life to the full. Jesus said, anyone who follows me will have life and life in abundance. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. How many of you have experienced the abundant life that is in Jesus Christ? Amen. That's something we do when we're looking in the mirror. We're able to say, thank you, God, that you're still working on me. Thank you, God, that you're still transforming. Thank you, Lord, that you continue to pour your blessings in my life. This is this conditioning of this thankfulness, this positioning. And then when we're in this place of thanksgiving and in unity with God, harmoniously thanking him for all that he's given us, this will overflow like dew to those around us. But that's the challenge, right, to bless other people. How many times do you jump to bless someone when they're given a new opportunity or they're given a new job? Do you jump to bless that person? We're not wired that way because of what happened in the garden. Things were fractured. That's why the, the Bible tells us right in the garden, it says of Eve, that your desire will be for your husband. It means that she's going to be, in many aspects, coveting the things of Adam. Many times we covet each other. But we're meant to be a blessing. We're meant to live harmoniously. So my uh, point number two here this afternoon is God's will has always been to bless mankind. From the very beginning, the beautiful thing is you can say, God, I thank you that your plan and purpose has always been of blessing. And yet you may turn on the television. You could possibly hear preachers from time to time say, no, 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 that's the prosperity gospel. Well, the Bible says, my will, my plan for you is to not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a hope in the future. It's all within reason. It doesn't mean that DW's going to be driving a brand new Lamborghini and all these different things, but it's saying there's going to be, that'd be nice, right? But there would be the favor. Remember, the word here, bless, in the Hebrew, barak, means favorable conditions and circumstance. That even when you face an illness, that he's going to sow favor in your life, you're going to be able to steer through it and to not be crushed under it. I have never, at any point in my life, ever thought because I'm in Christ, I'm never going to get sick. Now, there are some that take it to extreme and believe because I'm blessed and I have favored, I will never be ill. And that's between them and God. But we know because we live in a fallen world, this is going to happen. And yet, when that happens, I believe with, even within the church, the devil, Lucifer the devil, who rules right, this world, wants to, wants to creep in and speak to our teachers and saying, God's plans aren't to prosper you. He wants people to think that God doesn't have his hand in our life any longer, that he doesn't want to bless us. But look right here from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them, and he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth and subdue it. Some translations will say have dominion over it. 
says, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And the amazing thing about that word there, subdue or dominion, speaks to, and I just jumped out of my seat when I, when I found this out by looking in the, the Greek and that, it speaks to self-governance. Self-governance. So the fact that God is saying to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over it. Self-govern yourselves within my plan, within my purposes, for that which I've laid out for you. There's an element of self-governance. Because there's free will, right? So that's, an, I know, for me, I'm like, wow, what an incredible blessing that you and I have free will to walk in the ways that bless God, to walk in ways that blesses his name and blesses each other. And yet for some reason, somehow, the enemy of their soul and our souls was able to s- sow this seed of deception that God somehow wasn't fully blessing them, that he was somehow holding back. And so they took it fully upon themselves to say, no, no, we're not only going to self-govern, we're now setting ourselves as the supreme authority. And that's what happened. This, This fracture occurred that then resulted in less than favorable conditions. But not once, not once, I love this, you go to Genesis chapter three, not once did it say, or did God say, I've removed my favor from you, Adam and Eve, you're done. It's not what he said. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 for a moment. And here, Scripture from the very beginning has been pointing us forward to this redemption of this blessing that God intended from the very beginning. And he speaks to Abraham. And just look at these words or hear these words of this message that's given to Abraham that truly should resonate to us today because this promise to Abraham comes through uh, to fruition through faith in Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This was the purpose of blessing. God saw this fracture, but because of his love, his great devotion to his creation, he wasn't going to allow them to remain cut off from the total blessing. His plans to prosper them and not to harm them. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. And so the fact that you're here today, the fact that you believe in Jesus, that you've confessed him as Lord and Savior, you are blessed. And when you start to reorientate your thought life, you're going to start seeing the blessings of God being poured out in your life, running down like this oil that's mentioned on Aaron's beard that's meant to precipitate and cause fruitfulness. But this fruitfulness is not just to be stored up in containers in our life. It's meant to burst out like new wine for others to enjoy as well. Look at John chapter 1 verse 7. And Christ came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. 
Revelation 1, chapter 1 uh, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Look at this part. A kingdom of priests to God the Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And repeat that last line. To him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to God the Father. The fact is that you and I are priests. We are meant to carry the message of God, this blessing, this good news to all the world. The people that we come in contact with are the people that we are to speak blessing over. I believe the great one of the lies of the enemy was to make people think that there was only, that was only the office of those who hold a pastoral position. Now don't get me wrong, we have, we have different offices, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, absolutely, but we all share the gospel. We all can share that blessing. And Jesus knew this so much, he wanted us to get a hold of this. He says this in John chapter 17, verse 11, I am no longer in the world, but they are. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus didn't have any illusions that it was going to be difficult for us. He didn't say it's going to be lazy, easy living. You guys got this. He was saying, like, Lord, like, Father, protect them by the name that you've given me so they may be one as we are one. And remember that word oneness is unity, one accord without deviation from purpose, without deviation from the action plan that Christ has given us. Go into the world. Go into the world. Go into the world. Check this out, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so this is the calling. This is the blessing that we have. Like the Mount of Hermon, this is the blessing that he has called you and I out of darkness and experience his kingdom of marvelous light. This blessing that is unparalleled. This blessing that the world cannot compare. They try, but they falter and fail. And so he's given this wonderful blessing to speak favorably over all creation. To say you may feel like you're far off but you are brought into the family of he who created the universe by faith in his one and only son. What a tremendous blessing. Check this out in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and I'm just wrapping things up. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. At the end of the day, we're not meant to do this alone. That's why we were, that's what we were getting at last week about loving one another. Jesus saw the times ahead were going to be difficult and they would need to lift each other up, to love one another, to champion one, one another. Have you ever been in a tug of war match? 
part of a tug of war team. I was, you know, Googling it this week, trying to understand all the ins and outs of what's the best way to, you know, be a tug of war champion. And there was a lot on the internet about the subject. I was actually surprised. So I'm just going to explain just my understanding, layman's terms, that in tug of war, okay, they have about eight or nine different people on your team, but the most important of those two are the person in the front and the back, from what I understand. But especially the anchor. The anchor is the one that just sets, sets the feet in and, and digs down and sets the rock, if you will, for the rest of, my, of the team. But then there's this championing from the back and the front of pulling and heaving together in one direction. Now you could imagine if one or two are saying, let's go, we got this, but then a few of them are like, nah, I don't feel like it today. Ever watched the tug of war at the fair? Man, sometimes, I think it was Valley Heights actually for the years I was in high school, they just seemed to demolish everybody else. They were in this, just this unison. Now a lot of them were farm boys and such, but they were just tenacious and just overpowering the other tug of war teams on fair day. But they were working together. They were in one accord, pulling together, encouraging one another. I remember one year, and it was kind of cool, because Waterford High School, we didn't win too many competitions. But there were a few things that we did. There was volleyball. But then this one year, this one year, they won the tug-of-war event. And I remember, and I, I, forgive me, I can't remember his name. I was going to mention it. Reppington. And he was in the back, he was the anchor man, and they looked like they were going to lose the day. I mean, they were so close to that pit in the middle, and the flag was about to cross the line, and you heard this, just this thunder from the back. Basically, it's like the guy in Gladiator of not giving up, and they just started to pull together in unison from, from the edge of defeat to victory. And the reason why I say that is for me, when you look at Scripture, and many times the Word of God is just calling out to us, encouraging us to get back in the line, to get your hands back on the rope, to get your hands back to the plow, so to speak, and put the work in, put the effort in. And when you do that, you're going to be a blessing to the rest of those that are around you. But then when you're pulling together, just imagine what you're going to be able to do when you're pulling in unison. And that's why at the end of the day, we're meant to be a kingdom of priests, not just one or two, but all of us are meant to share the gospel. So how cool is it that when you go into the community and you're preaching the good news, you're sharing what God has done in your life, you share that story, then someone else at one point shares a story too. They're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard about this Jesus. I've heard, oh, you have a story too. Yeah, and it starts to trickle Along. This is what's happening in India right now. I don't know if you're aware of this, this revival that's happening to the point where people are seeing in just incredible numbers visions of Jesus. Visions of Christ. And people are sharing the good news like you wouldn't believe, really putting us to shame. Everywhere they're, everywhere they're going, on the street corners, in the places of business, declaring the goodness and favor of God in their life. And I couldn't help but check myself, Andrew, you know, are you operating in this manner? Are you desiring, are you working that your life is a blessing? Are you working in harmony with others? This is what's important in the life of the church. That's what's important. And so again, in Living in Harmony, it says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. 
It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. You and I are experiencing that life and life more abundantly. I'm going to invite the worship team to uh, join me up here at this time. And I want to read a passage of scripture because you might be here today. You might be watching online and saying, okay, that sounds great. I'm part of a kingdom. I'm part of the the family of God. I never really thought maybe about this aspect of being a a priest. Uh, All that means is to minister, to be to be a blessing to people, to bless God and bless others. Well, here the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 10. The message is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Here's that blessing aspect. Anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, but will be blessed. Verse 12, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the heritage of all who call upon him. Blessing, favor. His plans are not to harm you, but to prosper you. To prosper you. And the Apostle Paul says this in verse 14, how then can they call on him when they have not believed in him? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You and I, men and women, we are the messengers of the Most High God. We are sharing and speaking to the blessings of God in our life, how he's brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of marvelous light. We're ministers. Each of us are sharing the marvelous acts of God and what he's done in our life. And when we're able to sing, you know, nothing else will do. I just want you, Lord. Nothing else, Lord. May your blessing overflow in my life and to those around me. Nothing else will do. I'm tired of the the world and seeking after the things of the world because the Bible says that the world and its desires will pass away. But he who does the will of God will live forever, meaning we'll have that abundant life. And so maybe if you're here today and you're not fully experiencing that abundant life, lean into Christ. Lean into the drawing of the Holy Spirit. He's going to draw you and pull you and sustain you to work in unison with the members of the family of God to bless others. And I'm encouraging you because I'm being encouraged myself that if he can do it in my life, if he can reorientate my thought life in order to speak to people even people that don't have the same, you know, values as I do, or maybe even think differently, he can enable you to engage in conversation and to speak blessing to what that is favorable situations and circumstances. 
And so I pray that you are, we'll be encouraged this afternoon by this word as we come to a time of worship. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you bless us. From the beginning of creation, you had always set out to bless us. You said, be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you restored that blessing as you said to Abraham through your son, Jesus. And Lord, as we come to him who is our high priest, Lord, that we are justified and we are glorified because of our relationship with him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that blessing. May we remember that and be a blessing to others. That may be like a great precipitation. They'll bring life and sustenance to those around us because of the conversation, the words of blessing that we share. Blessing that is also spoken in truth, your truth of your word, to be united in that, in Jesus' name. May you be blessed by our time remaining here together. In Jesus' name, amen.